a British record at McDonald's for a world champion athlete. Hello, this is Destination Tokyo. I'm Mark Shardlow. That story coming up from Di Green. Uh, These are bite-sized podcasts for about 10 minutes following Olympians and Paralympians hoping to be in Tokyo this summer. They're running Monday to Friday. I'm also raising money from it for Maggie's Cancer Centres. More of that later. But our first guest is hoping to become Britain's first ever black woman swimmer at the Olympics. Hello, Alice Deering. Hi, hey, thanks for having me. What about the state of things at the moment, Alice? Where's your mind at when it comes to thinking ahead to the Tokyo Games? Um, my mind is literally just all on Tokyo. Um, I It was quite funny. I was literally just looking through Twitter and saw people talking about the Olympics and whether it should be delayed or postponed or even cancelled. And I'm just kind of like, nah, I think it's going to, I really do think it's going to go ahead. I really do think they're committed to doing whatever they can to make sure that athletes are safe and able to compete. And it may not be a traditional Olympics, but I'm very confident that the race, like the race that I want to be in will start and I I just need to make sure that I'm there. (laughs) And you've got to have that mindset, haven't you, I guess? Yes, exactly. Yeah, can't can't take your eyes off the prize because the moment you start thinking, oh, okay, I've got nothing to train for. I've got no reason to be turning up to training. There's no purpose for the season. You've lost, like just out, you've lost. So there's just got to keep your mind focused. Um, Everyone around me, all the athletes have all got the same idea as well that the Olympics are going to go ahead. They want to be there. They want to be the best swimmers there so it's tough to drown out the noise but it's, it's doable and your event open water swimming i mean you lost time last year didn't you in the open water because of lockdown mm. i guess you wouldn't you wouldn't be training in open water right now would you oh god no no <laughs> i i honestly barely train open water in britain the only time we really get to is in summer obviously when it's warm enough but Typically in summer, I'm either away competing um, at the major competition and then after that I'm resting. So by the time I get back into it in September, October time and I'd feel ready to do open water swimming again, it's gotten cold. So um, I very rarely swim open water in Britain. It's all pool-based training. Do you do any overseas? Because this week we've spoken to Martin Rooney, who's with Mm -hmm. an athletics camp over in Dubai, uh, badminton players who are playing in Bangkok, Uh, I've got another athlete lined up who's warm weather training in South Africa. How is it for swimmers this year? (laughs) Oh my God, I'm so jealous. That all sounds like so good. Honestly, I did have have a bit of a training camp planned to go to Dubai this Saturday, actually. And um, I decided to cancel it because... Uh, it just wasn't feasible. Didn't want to take the risk in any way and with the way international travel was looking and stuff. So I think for the majority of swimmers, there aren't any that I'm aware in the British team who have gone away. And typically we we do. I mean, personally, I haven't been away since, oh my God, 2016 now. But um, typically the British teams do go away on a training camper season, which was meant to be this week. But yeah all got cancelled <laughs> so where are you in terms of qualification do you know where you need to be and the date you need to be at is there a question mark over that as far as I'm aware it's set in stone it's the 29th of may in japan fukuoka yeah i i'm just training towards that basically from that it's top 10 and i have to finish top british um british finisher as well so um really competitive and really tough qualification process how did you cope when the games were cancelled last year 
Are you quite level-headed about it or did you have an emotional response? Uh, I'm not going to lie, I was quite emotional initially. Um, it was a real, I was I was grateful. Like it was like, okay, like this is the right thing to happen because I wasn't even able to train. And obviously the state of the world at the time was um, like things were only getting worse. But um, initially I was relieved and then like immediately after I was kind of like, oh my God, I, like, I'm in a really good place. I, I hate for things to stop right now. Um, I, I really, I, ha- I was having a really good training period, really good racing. So it did hurt initially, but then I kind of, I got back into it. I was grateful enough to be able to get in the water at the end of May, which it was ironic. It was the, the day that I started swimming again was the day I was meant to attempt to qualify for the Olympics. So it was kind of like a full circle thing. And then exactly a year until the next qualification so I I, after that I was just like okay you've got another chance to get things perfect this time things had gone well but there were there were mistakes made as as there always are but this time I was like let's get everything right let's make sure we're turning up in May and being the best athlete you can be and you're in a good place now yeah yeah I'm I'm doing really well actually I'm um Everything, I feel like everything's going quite well. Um, I just keeping my head down, keeping training. Um, I've had two deadlines to finish for uni as well, which I've just got in. So I've got a little bit of a break before semester two starts, which I'm grateful for. So yeah, just just keep going. <laughs> How close are you to getting that lockdown kitten? <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't living in student accommodation... I'd have had a cat a long time ago, but oh, it's just, it kills me every time. And then um, where I'm looking to live next year probably won't allow pets either. So it'll be a good few years before I can get a cat. <laughs> oh, Alice, uh, great to talk to you. I mean, good luck in the next few weeks. Hard life as a swimmer when it's, uh, when the mornings are so cold and frosty and icy. Yeah. And catch up with you soon. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. And so from a cat lover to a dog lover, welcome former world champion Di Green. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm loving at the moment on your social media, your training diaries. I always like looking at what other people are doing, other people are up to training wise, things like that. It's it's good as an athletic, you know, athletics fan to see other people and what they're doing. And I thought I'm getting a bit older, quite happy to share what I'm doing and be more transparent because people only see the summer the competitions but they don't know what happens behind the scenes so i'm i'm sort of you know laying it all out there with my training programs i'm showing what i'm doing good days bad days and uh, yeah trying to just add some context to things i think that's the interesting thing as well though you said that they're good sessions and bad sessions you're pretty honest aren't you when the bad sessions happened it's it's never a smooth progress i think as long as you're doing a sufficient amount of work each week you know the most important time is always uh, just before the season so at the moment, we're a long way off the summer, but if I'm not, if this work doesn't get banked, then it makes the next phase a bit harder. But I always think that sort of March, April, May are the most important months, really, in terms of setting up your season. So, yeah, looking at Christmas week, woke up, shattered, and run down, gave myself a rest. Yeah, like I, I, it's very rare that I give myself the odd rest day uh, like that. But I woke up and I thought, you know what, I feel so tired. I'm just drained and. Um, my body was aching. I was worried that I was coming down with with something, and uh, obviously, given, given the current climate, I didn't want to risk anything. So I was just quite happy to just like leave it. Uh, and I was actually really surprised with how good I felt the next day. I went to the track the next day. I thought, oh well, I've been. I was rough yesterday. 
probably won't be able to do much today. I'll probably still be feeling it, but I felt great. And, you know, I'm not going to miss that one day. That's not going to affect me in six months' time. It's more about getting that consistency of training and making smart decisions at the right time. It comes across as someone who's really comfortable with themselves, who knows themselves, who's listening to their body. I mean, take Christmas Day. I mean, you've had a few comments on social media. When I was a kid, I remember Daley Thompson. I mean, he started off as he trained on Christmas Day. A year later, he was training three times on Christmas Day. And you seem to come across as saying, well, you know what? I'm looking after myself. Yeah, I think that's a lot of bravado and a lot of nonsense, uh, just like quotes that people give. Uh, usually when they've retired, um, trying to make them seem like they train super hard. Uh, you know, if you pick up an injury and you miss three weeks, you never think like, you know, in January, you never think that those three weeks are going to affect you massively in the summer. In the same way as, you know, if you don't train on Christmas Day, you're not a bad athlete. Like I had ambitions of training on Christmas Day, but it was so frosty and icy. There's no way to run. All the facilities are closed and um, you know, everywhere is just full of ice. So it's just more dangerous if I do train. Um, so you just have to be sensible in that regard, and um, and yeah, as I probably put down in my in my social media post, I still haven't seen anybody winning an Olympic medal and then get interviewed post race, post competition, and saying, "Oh yeah, it was down to those two weeks over Christmas and New Year that put me in this condition." It's uh, yeah, it's a lot of nonsense, really. So where are you at then, like mentally, and how are you feeling about this and Olympic year? Uh, I'm in a good place physically. I've had a bit of a tougher month in December, but I had some good therapy this week now that things are open. So I'm back on track, I feel. Um, I had some good sessions this week. So yeah, physically, I'm, I'm probably in the best shape I've been in a long, long time. Uh, mentally, I'm, I'm, I'm raring to go. I haven't competed for a while. But the downside is that as we're getting closer to the summer, I'm starting to be more and more concerned about how the games will go ahead and how do I qualify for the games if I can't um, get to competitions and can't compete properly. So our trials are the last weekend of June. Before that, there's nothing on the European circuit the week before. And uh, so it pretty much leaves like three weeks roughly of competitions uh, that are available. So it's quite a time pressured situation. Um, and it's going to be, everyone's going to be scrapping and trying to get in the same races. It's going to be less races than it would normally because of covid uh, so, yeah, it's not ideal at the moment. I learned one thing, that we have something in common over the last week. Uh, we both worked at McDonald's in our younger days. Uh, I'm just yeah. going to play an excerpt from... I really enjoyed your interview with uh, Martin Rooney and Dan Greaves on that Greaves and Rooney Sports podcast. And there's a little bit of an extra. You told a great story about your time working at McDonald's. I worked there for three years and I was never t- taught how to use a till. So I never like took money from a customer, not once. I don't know if they just thought I looked dodgy or whatever. I was always put on drive through um, but on the second window. And every Saturday, like around lunchtime, 12 till 1, 1 till 2, especially during the summer, we'd always try and go for the for the national record for the most number of cars served through a two-window drive-through in an hour. And uh, and we broke it multiple times, I'll have you know. So, yeah, that's my McDonald's claim to fame. Record-breaking is in your blood. This is your normal yeah. thing. Yeah, it was when I was at college, so a long, long time ago. It was pretty much my last proper job. Um, but I did enjoy it. I had a lot of friends there at the time. Um, good character building for me, I guess. Also skills, maybe good skills, because last time I saw you, you had a pizza paddle in your hand, your partner's new pizza <laughs> business. Yeah, certainly. Well, out of the two of us, I'm the only one with any uh, any experience in that sort of uh, realm, if you can call McDonald's experience <laughs> in the food industry. But um, yes, yeah, so my partner's just opened up a pizza 
uh, takeaway service at home. I'm in charge of the fire. And, um, and yeah, I really enjoy it when it gets really busy and we're under pressure. And that's kind of how it was like when I was at McDonald's, you know, shouting orders back and forth, back and instructions. But it's, uh, it's been good for us. It's been uh, really fun to do. And that was the best pizza I had in 2020. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Glad you liked it. And with thanks to Di Green and to Alice Deering, that's it for today. If you'd like to donate a pound or two to Maggie's, then just go to justgiving.co.uk. If you search Destination Tokyo, all the details are there. And back tomorrow with the first team announcements of the year. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>